Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. And I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? Well, Jude, I'm excited because today we get to welcome back a creator capable of 3D printing reality into whatever she wants. Whether she's wielding the Infinity Gauntlet lightsaber combo as a flex or streaming the crafting process on Twitch, we're delighted to welcome Leech back to the podcast. Welcome back, Leech. Welcome, Leech. Thanks for having me. How's it going? It's it's going well. I'm just like floored every time your intro is so thoroughly like researched. It's ridiculous. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you. It has been entirely too long since you have been on this podcast. It hasn't been since What If. And I think one of the most exciting things that has happened is you have found your way back to streaming your 3D prints on Twitch. I was wondering if you could let the listeners know how that's been going and what they can expect when they turn into a Leecho stream. Sure. So January 1st, I decided I was going to come back to the streaming space and to see if I can do it again, kind of thing, you know, with all the life changes and such. And it's been happening every Sunday and it's been great. I gave myself way too hard of a first project to complete. And I think I have upped my standards over time. So I'm on month four now of creating the gauntlet. And I have now gotten myself, I have, I have an epoxy resin kit sitting right next to me. Like it's getting intense. So that should actually be wrapping up soon, and it's it's been fun. If anything, it it solidifies that I do want to do this, and I do want to create, and I do actually need to make time for myself to do things I enjoy. So, it's been it's been great. It's been a great experience. That's really cool. That's really cool. So, when it's done, is it? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Is it movable? Like you can even snap with it? Oh, yeah. So it's completely uh, movable. It's going to be mounted to a glove. And I'm going to have the electrical in it as well. When I make the stones, I'm going to actually embed them with LEDs. And so then it'll be fully controlled as well. And I don't know if I'll go as far as like, you do a snap and they do things. But, you know, because I don't don't know quite yet. But maybe I will now because I just thought of that. And I might take a note of that. But, uh... Yeah, it's going to be completely wearable. It goes, it's so large, my fingers aren't going to really fill it out at all. And when I put on the full thing, it goes past my elbow. So it's it's the real deal. It's Yeah, it's truly Thanos size. It is. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think you shared a photo on Twitter of how big it was by wearing it without the fingers. And you have made the point that it would have been a way bigger power move for Thanos to use a fingerless gauntlet. <laughs> I'll make sure to link that into the show notes so people can see just how powerful that truly is. It really was. I was kind of like, I was shook. It was great. <laughs> I never would have ever imagined it unless I had it in my hands with no fingers. It was, oh. Oh, that was a moment great. for sure. Yeah. That's great. So pre-order for all your gauntlet <laughs> cosplay needs. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this actually was a lot harder with the smaller printer, but we're getting a larger printer. I think it was quarter three of this year, and it's going to pretty much, I like to say, like, it can print a Stormtrooper helmet in, like, you know, the click of a button compared oh, wow. to, oh, I have to piece it into, like, you know, cut it, slice it up into six different items and then glue it all together. It's like... It's going to kind of be one and done sand and paint kind of situation. And I'm so pumped for that. I think anything bigger, I'm going to kind of wait for that printer, but it's going to be really hard to wait when, you know, especially when this gauntlet's complete and I'm just going to get hungry for more power and such. 
So I need to ask you the first time, the first time we met, I remember asking you about this, but I don't remember where you were at with it. The dark saber. Yes. So the models I've been working on for the sabers are like, you know, the ones when you're a kid and you can like swish it and it all like um, unfolds instantly. And the models for that are so thin. They're so thin for the saber part because it all needs to print in one piece and is nested. So my saber actually broke in three different places. <laughs> I still have the the hilt, but the rest of the blade itself broke. So I'm wondering if there's a way of reinforcing that model. And then I will be able to move past the generic and go for the dark. Because, oh, that, especially if I know how to, like, throw LEDs in there. Can you imagine, like, you know, like some blacklight ones or something? Oh. Oh, yeah. So, uh, well, the thing is, is when you put it back together, you're going to be, like, crossing IPs and it's going to be like Aragorn's sword, right? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, I I ultimately, like, I think I've said this before, like, my goal is to have just, I want walls of just pop culture helmets and weapons and just everything just on my walls everywhere. I think I've compared it to like hat walls or shoe walls that people have in their homes. I just, that's, that's the dream. That's the dream right there. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, if you want to keep up with Leech's work and see the progress, make sure you're following them at XOLeecho on Twitter, as well as twitch.tv slash XOLeecho. And of course, we'll link to all of those in the show notes as well. Now, before we get into the meat of the episode, I just wanted to quickly say, Jude, thank you so much for driving the episode last week. Uh, I'm sure people by now know I did unfortunately have to miss, kind of drop that on you last minute. Uh, and I just wanted to say thank you and to TJ for that wonderful conversation uh, last week. However, I wanted to quickly clarify the Schrodinger's guest joke. At the time that I had texted you that joke, TJ had both confirmed and unconfirmed his availability for the episode that we were supposed to do last week. And so I joked that I was going to write in the intro that we had our first Schrodinger's guest that we got to confirm by welcoming him to the show. However, the irony being that I ended up being the one in the box because I didn't even make it to the show last week. So hopefully that clarifies a little bit of the darkness of the humor, but ultimately I think it exposes the surface level understanding that I have. No, no, no. TJ's TJ. It was joy to have TJ. Um, He missed you, but you know, I mean, he even said how, how much more relaxed he was this time. And it was just like, dude, it was was great. It was just like having a conversation versus the first time he's like, I felt like I was writing a book um, (laughs) being on the pod. Uh, but yeah, so no, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, he didn't take any offense to you dropping out on him last minute, (laughs) Um, but we, we, we drove that truck in pretty well. Yeah. I would say so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, of course, if you downloaded this episode, you know, we're going to be talking about season one, episode four of Moon Knight entitled The Tomb. So the way we're going to do this is we have some pre-spoiler thoughts where we can talk about the episode without getting too much into the spoilers before jumping into the spoiler zone. So before we get there, Leech, what are your pre-spoiler thoughts for this episode? This episode made me hungry for more in a way that I haven't felt since, I mean, really WandaVision. Yeah, I mean, I think you've said something similar, Trey. I just realized that. I think you might have even tweeted that (laughs) a few episodes ago, but that's actually what I wrote down here in my notes. I am 
so hungry for all of this just colorful lore and I just want to eat it all up. It's great. Yeah, I, I think that's 100% what I was feeling at the end of this too. And and for like, I even had to do the Leecho litmus test of like, <laughs> this is how I want to talk about this. Is this a spoiler or not? Because this may be a short section. I don't know if it's possible to talk about this episode without spoiling it. It's just so bizarre. It is. And uh, the WandaVision comparison, I think, fits very aptly. Mm-hmm. It really does. Um, and I think to tread lightly, uh, well, two things. A, I am very much the champion. If you've listened to us regularly, you know I'm very much championing eight episodes. Mm-hmm. This one very much, I'm like, this has to be eight. We have to, there's, there's feel like there's so much left that needs to be answered, but it, but I think at least is right in the sense of you just want more of it, you know, and, uh, cause it's, it's something that I'm really, really enjoying. Uh, and then I started wondering with the way this episode went, cause I know we're a pre-spoiler thought. So I'm going to just say this far, it would have been neat as a season cliffhanger with season two on the way. That would have been really, really cool. You are a madman to want to make people wait that long. <laughs> I can't imagine that. Like, you're right in that it would be that much of a, like, from season to season cliffhanger. That would be excruciating. What do you think this is? Like, the early 2000s? Like, come on, we don't wait for anything anymore. I, know, I mean, I know. tonally, it kind of fits fits in with, like, the yeah. mummy stuff. Oh, it my does? gosh. And- yes. So... Yeah, but, I mean, know, Game, it's a Game of Thrones tried it, and they didn't pull it off well. With, how dare you? The long cliffhangers, but how dare you? <laughs> well, you, you, I, what you didn't <laughs> participate in that <laughs> at all? Only the last season, unfortunately, <laughs> where I decided to podcast. Well, I think that's going to do it for the pre-spoiler thoughts. Like I said, it's kind of hard to talk about this one without getting into the spoilers. So, like I said, we're going to jump into the spoiler zone where it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU. We'll see you on the other side. And we're back. So, Jude, I'm going to take a page out of your playbook from last week because I like the way that you had set up the most important topics at the top of the show. So, this week... We're going to be delving into exploring the past, honesty and protection, and the nucleus of our personality. So starting with the first most important topic, this one is really going to allow us to focus on the scenes in which Layla leads Stephen and Mark through the deserts all the way into the tombs through the discovery of Mark's history with her father. Leech, starting with you, uh, where would you like to start within this section? It's too much pressure. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. My notes are not in order, so I'm trying to figure out the best place to start. We're expl- explaining the past currently? Pretty much, yeah. Just kind of like yeah. Layla's, Layla's section within this. Uh, this is where we get a lot of the implied supernatural violence as that slowly gets uncovered with the gruesome dissecting scene. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, and we see a lot of Layla's... Uh, navigation ability as she's making her way through the tombs, as she's running away from the, I'm going to say, mercenaries that were trying to take her and Mark out. Um, it's a very Layla-centric episode, this this go-around. I feel like I held my breath the entire sequence, and when she screamed from adrenaline, that's kind of where I was at, too, because it was non-stop. There was the tiny little respite for gathering supplies, but 
it was nonstop near misses in a not in a I almost got hit way, but in a I almost got completely squished and obliterated from this truck and the guy on the back with his gun, you know, like so many uh, near misses. And it was it was just so tense. And then to also add emotional, personal stuff on top of it, I wanted to scream as well. Like I couldn't even imagine. And that was that was a lot for just hitting the ground running for this episode, for sure. Oh yeah, like I I was expecting it and through that sequence like I mentally got was like, "Oh, this is Layla's episode. This is Right. You know, I expected Mark/Steven slash to be out the overwhelming majority of it. I was surprised when he came out of it uh when he did. You know, in, as you were describing that the catharsis of Layla screaming and that moment after she his like very tightly hugging that wall, trying to make it across the gap. That's where I thought you were talking about, but you really put into perspective how she's basically under fire, almost literally from the start to that moment. Exactly. Uh, yeah, she she went through a lot. And, you know, I, I talked a lot about implied violence in the first and second episode, I think. The alternating pattern in which we see the bombastic running away from the mercenaries and dodging the bullet fires inter injected with the moments where she's gathering supplies and you just see the shot of the bloody utensil but she doesn't recognize it it's just us as the audience it's really creating that sense of danger uh and i think it's something they've done such a great job with that at that beginning section whenever she successfully evades the mercenaries when mark's just standing there or steven i believe at that point there was a point where I genuinely thought we were getting our first glimpse at the implied third identity from last week because something about it was just so spooky. And then he just stares at the camera and then everything's good again. This show, I think, has really solidified the spooky nature of the show. This made me wonder if it was timed with the parental controls because that's kind of how spooked I was. And I was not ready for that. Uh, you know, There was violence and Falcon. And that was a lot, but this was, this was more and it felt very different. And I know the story is completely different, but it was a lot, but it was completely contextual. So, well, I think we got to see it this time and, yeah, and, and, and hear it. Right. And I guess, but what I mean by that is the first time, the first couple of episodes where it was implied, it was, uh, if you think of like for the point of view, if it was Stevens and Mark's doing the violence. So we don't get to see it because we're seeing it through Steven. And then the second episode, we only get to see what Mark sees because it's Steven, the one jumping in. And since he's completely passed out, the, the violence, the, any of the violence that's taking place is we experience it with Layla, you know, and, and, and that whole made it seem worse without showing it to us in the beginning that, that implied I think that made this even feel more intense because now we finally get to see it and there's an association of, oh, the, the quote unquote protagonist hero is out, not just passed out, but also like conscious has gone, you know? So you also have this sense of like, oh, where's the protection? How do you get out of this at this point? And I think all of that helps ramp it up. Yeah, it, it does. It's more dangerous now. <laughs> it, it's, it's, yeah, I very much felt that for sure in this episode. You know, and as much as the danger is ratcheting up, 
This isn't the first time that we've seen supernatural antagonists because we had the Jackal in episode two. This time we had a different type of enemy. Is it, I, I wanted to throw this out there. Is it, is it fair to say this might be one of the grossest episodes or at least moments we've seen in the MCU? Because we didn't get full on shots of, I believe it's the Hekka priest that was like dissecting the person but we heard every little gushy and gory detail of what was happening there i had a thought about that too as it was happening when you're that afraid you're trying to listen to see what your next move should be so you're like hyper aware of it happening because of the danger and i feel like they cranked the volume up and it was incredibly unnerving listening to those moist noises Well, I was I was going to say not even that. Before you got that, you had Steven's description of, oh, this is blood and what do you call it? Human bits? Gore, like, I think I wrote it down. Uh, chunky, chunks of meaty bits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am not laughing at chunks of meaty bits. <laughs> I'm sure the dog has a name, Jude. <laughs> So sorry. What's, totally what's, your dog, what's your dog's name? Ripley. Ripley, okay. It's close. <laughs> yeah. Aliens is close. Ellen Ripley. Um, is that what it's from? Ellen Ripley? No, it's because he ripped one as soon as we got him. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, okay, just for clarity, all of this is staying in. I hope you know if that's okay oh, with God. your permission. <laughs> Well, I had to ask what the dog's name is because you held up the dog and showed us the dog. I mean, I had to. I had the camera on. Right. But like, so I started laughing just as Trey gave what Steven's line was about the meaty, chunky bits. But (laughs) I started laughing. Right. And like without the video that it it just sounds like I start laughing at chunks and meaty bits of people. All right. We get it, Jude. Um, You're brave. You weren't afraid of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) so to to get us back on track we were discussing the gruesomeness of this episode uh and you were detailing the way steven described the scene as we kind of walked into it right well and and all i was gonna say about that with him detailing that out you it's happened already and so you see with steven's descriptions or you see and hear the aftermath of it and then again, it's that implied you're with them hiding and just hearing the sound. And you already visually kind of know the results of that, of what's going on. And so you don't really need to see it because you know what's going to, the end result's going to be. And just like you said, the hearing it, what's my next move, my heightened sense of awareness. In that situation, it's, you know, it, it was really well planned out. It was. You know, Leach, I think. To borrow the way you used it, the heightened sense of awareness, I think one of the brilliant things this episode does is, intentional or not, it feels like it is invoking The Last of Us video game, which if people aren't familiar, it is a post-apocalyptic game that are zombies, not zombies. They have things called the clickers. The sound that this Hekka makes in the episode is almost 100% the same sound and I like the way that you you phrased it with that heightened sense of sound because that video game places that importance on there as well, and it just imbues a deeper sense of fear. So I feel like anyone who's played that game and saw the episode had like a meerkat moment of like, 
<laughs> What's that? I recognize that. How do I duck? How do I duck? Yes. <laughs> you know, one thing I want to add, they've done this multiple times. I can't remember exactly where it was last week, but they've always given us a point of view perspective. And then we think it's just a static shot, but it moves. So it implies that the camera is another let's just say character in the scene. We saw it in episode one when there was somebody who was on the balcony of the museum looking at Steven. Episode two, I believe we see it. I'm sorry, episode three, we see it when Mark is in Cairo. This episode does it, but without the camera movement where you hear the clicker watching from a hidden pers- uh place when Layla and Steven are kind of making their way at the entrance of the tomb. So again, just more good work on that setting the stage before they really give us the full-on look. And I think they also have this nice contrast between the almost feralness of the Heka as well as the intentionality of the moves that it has on the dissecting table. Because we already talked about that, but the two other scenes I think that got me the most is whenever the zombified Heka is like on the rafters and you see their fingers holding on to the floorboard as it tries to get to Steven. And then you see the hands come through the rocks as Layla is trying to shimmy her way across. So I think I'm still scarred by this episode. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is, is they ratchet it up. You have all of that. And then the fact that they get separated um, and you trying to stick with Layla here, but, but like you see what she's going through, you have in the back of your mind, not just that Conchu's not available, but Steven refusing to let Mark get involved. And so I don't know. I don't know. I just lost the, the, the wording there, but, but like, but so that in terms of intensity, in terms of scariness of like, man, they, they really, let's put it this way. It really did a good job. I feel like you couldn't get out of it. Oh Yeah. Mm-hmm. So within this section, I think one of the biggest things we have left to talk about is Layla meeting with Haru. And this is where we get that confirmation that Mark from Haru's telling was involved in the death of Layla's father. Leech, how were you feeling throughout the entirety of that scene as well as when Layla finally confronts Mark? I thought it was interesting that I also had this investment in this character that I just just learned about, the the father. I, I think it's just because I want to know as much as possible of Layla and how she fits in on all of this because there's, you don't just like know Mark. Like you weren't just his neighbor. Like there's history there. There's something. And so I was grasping on every word and I was, I was a little disappointed that she turned around, but there obviously is enough draw when that name is mentioned that she would stop and turn around and go back. So that was kind of powerful to me because everything she's done so far has been, you know, all about the mission. And then, you know, she hesitated. And so that that spoke very loudly to me about how important this, you know, this discussion is about her father. You know, I, I think you really hit the nail on the head about how you both were invested and disappointed she turned around. She paused and you could see the pain on her face. And it made like if I didn't already have enough beef with Hera enough, my little scarab, the fact that he threw that at her as a, a, a way to reel her back in. Oh, yeah. Come on, dude. I, I'm so yeah, mad. That was at cheap. That was <laughs> so, so cheap. cheap. Oh, my gosh. I like the audacity. Like, I can't even 
like he he was you know what that tells me too is like he's playing dirty so he's like playing extra dirty and trying to delay her any way possible it's just oh that whole thing was it just felt really complicated like there's like weird history there that we have no no way of knowing so we have to just grasp on the every word in that conversation and that's all we get what's telling to me is that when because Haro sets it up as though he wants to let out this truth. And Layla cuts him out at the passage. He goes, what, are you telling me Mark was there? It's telling that it's something that has crossed her mind before. Uh, did you feel that same way too, Ju? Do you think this is an idea that she has held on to without confirmation? I don't know. And the only reason why I say that is because you had in the other episode where they started to plant that seed of, of Mark knows more about what happened to her dad. Then she realizes. And so that's, that's why like part of me wants to say, yeah, I want to kind of go down that road with you of like, she's kind of suspected. Um, but it, it also, the way they set it up so far, it, it makes sense for her, you know, cause she had the conversation is like, every time I think I know you, something else happens and I don't, don't know. And so it, it leaves us where she is completely can't trust um, what she thought she knew. It, it, that's and that's why it's, it's hard to tell if she always had thought that way mm -hmm. and i mean she does seem pretty i don't want to say accepting but she listened as mark was very adamant like that wasn't me you know that i didn't kill him and then that's where she starts to say okay well you led the killer to him it to me i think what stood out to me most within that entire father section of this episode is it's heavy enough that she had to deal with this realization, but the, to then learn this is the basis of their relationship. Like the reason they met is because Mark getting entangled with whatever happened in the murdering of her father. That's excruciating as well, man. And maybe, man, not maybe, that's messed up that Mark would hold on to it for that long in the relationship and not say anything. I couldn't imagine the blend of like, you know, longing and repulsion at the same time. It's, it was a lot. And I feel like the actor portrayed that I, I i got that from that scene just pure confusion and just love hate <laughs> i mean what did haro say he's in agony like he sensed mm -hmm. it with the judgment mm -hmm. yeah yeah well and it's interesting to the the whole dynamics of the relationship because it does get the sense of how do i want to put it uh, when we first meet her and she's not she doesn't know about steven and she's like, all our adventures together. And and, and it felt and gave the impression that a, the foundation of their relationship wasn't very solid in the first place. It was more about the adventures together and that shared experience. Common goal. Yeah, rather than actually knowing each other and Layla's ex discovering this. of like, hey, I don't really know who this person is. Yeah. Um. And, and so for me, I'm kind of looking at it part of like, you probably shouldn't have got married in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, but, but you have those moments where at the same time you can see, well, well, they did care for each other, you know? Um, so yeah, it's very like bad, like two early two thousands, late nineties teen romance, <laughs> like, you know, the whole, like, she's all that, like, oh, it's supposed to be a vet, and I fall in love with you anyways, <laughs> kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I go there because it's, I feel guilty. 
but I'm going to fall in love with you anyways. <laughs> and now I can't tell you. <laughs> like I it, kinda, it has that feel. I, I felt that when the statement was made that, oh, you know, once Conchu's gone, it's just Steven. There's no more Mark. And she says, like, well, don't you think that you should have discussed that with me? Or, no, she didn't say discuss. She said, like, told me. And I was just like, well, here we go. But then she ended up saying, like, but you didn't even tell me. It wasn't, uh, this is my decision, too. And I was expecting all of that, that whole thing. But it was just like, you, you didn't even tell me. Like, could you at least have told me your wife? And I, like, I, I actually really respected that. I don't know who exactly wrote those words. But I really appreciated that because... I don't need to see another female mummy movie kind of thing where the chick's just the chick and I'm I'm done with that. And I really appreciated that kind of weird character development in that line. Yeah, but you're right. It, it, it was, it was a good way to put it because that mm -hmm. could have been written differently. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, whenever that scene played out, like I immediately was thinking of the episode with Yubba where she talked about how Mark is taking that choice away from her. And here mm -hmm. it's her reclaiming like, hey, I could have decided that for myself. You just didn't let me know. Um, so I do want to say a couple things. We're getting to the point where we can move into the next section. However, I think we can kind of bridge that gap by talking about some of the relationship stuff that we have here going into the Mark and Steven section. However, I'm glad you brought up the mid to early 2000s romance, Jude, because one of the things that I wanted to put in my pre-spoiler thought that I didn't, I ended up changing. This is this is the most it's felt like the Mummy. I mean, outside of the setting, <laughs> of course, it's an action adventure movie of like watching Brendan Fraser and and Rachel Wise just exploring pyramids and and fighting off supernatural. Like that's the only thing I could think of throughout the middle section of this episode. Is is this the point where I say I've never seen the Mummy? Ugh. Wait, really? is that, okay, that is Jude. Okay, just double checking because that's usually Trey's line. <laughs> Fun fact, I yeah. remember being so afraid because my family wanted to go see it and I was so afraid of the trailer that I didn't want to see it and I ended up loving it. Like that was the first time I remember like a horror quote unquote movie, but now that I've seen it, it's like not, not as scary I, as I thought I remember the trailer. I remember it coming out, but there was something about it that I just didn't feel compelled to go see it. Oh, I loved it. I think I vaguely remember watching that with your brother. I think he went with us. I'll have to but double for check. For the record, that would be family, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So to bridge this gap, Leach, you brought up how, or no, I'm sorry, Jude, you brought up how you were wondering whether or not they should have even gotten married because it doesn't seem like there was a substantial part of a relationship there. I don't know how I feel about the forced love triangle. Uh, that's going on in this episode. Is it is it weird to anybody else, or is that just me? I'm fine if they address it and then they like nip it in the bud like next episode because it's going to need to be addressed. Like there's two dudes involved now in the same body. Like there's no way you can get around it. I don't feel at least. Yeah, I think what stood out to me is you both see there's clearly a connection with Layla and Mark and Steven because she has that moment where she's like, oh, you smell like him or she's like smiling mm -hmm. in the center frame whenever he's talking about the the statue and he's geeking out about it. So she has this fondness for him. But at the same time, she had like that weird look on her face whenever he went in for the kiss. And it's it, obviously it's awkward because I'm sure she's having to go through what it means to have these two identities in the same person. But it feels like something that is 
not fully explored yet, and I'm just kind of left uncomfortable with it so far. It kind of, it reminds me of, like, when you, the whole thing of, you know, it feels different if you do the thing out of kindness for me versus you're doing the thing because I asked you to. And I feel like Steven is the the mark in a way doing things that she wants. Yes. Versus like, that's just Mark. It's like, so like the Steven is like this, like, oh, you're kind and you're like nice and you talk to me and you're so much softer. And it's like, but that's not actually Mark. That's like this weird fantasy. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a fantasy of like not the same person. So I think right. it's it's just super it's like there's nothing to build off of that. It's just all a construct and it's all in your head in a sense because they're two different people. Yeah. Well, it's it's so so like in you know, you meet somebody and they're the most wonderful person in the world. Oh, thank you. And you're the most wonderful person in the world and then <laughs> next thing you know, eventually they're not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so marriage. So you're talking about marriage in general. Okay. I'm well, yeah. With you. I I mean it just it just is, and mm-hmm. you either relationship ends and you move on, and nothing wrong with that, or you accept them for they ha- who who they are and and move on. And, and so, like, and, and this is where I I really felt for Layla because it was like this is physically the same person, right? But there there's always the messiness of a relationship. This is who they really are, warts and all. And then there's the pedestal version slash fantasy, if, if that makes sense, the, like from the initial meet. How about that? From the initial honeymoon infatuation kind of stuff. And she's getting to like re-experience that through Steven, but with literally the same body that she's already attracted to. I, I couldn't even imagine like, I mean, you have someone that's, you know, oh, they do the things I like and they don't have your annoying habits. But it's like, let's just throw them in the same body. That's not confusing. Like, yeah, I can't even, like, yeah. Yeah, and, and it reminds me of uh, a movie that I love and the book is great as well, uh, High Fidelity. You know, and, and one of his end epiphanies was that of like, yeah, all those other women, all those other people that I get interested in, it's just a fantasy and it's not fulfilling mm-hmm. because there's no mm-hmm. depth fulfilling. with the person that I'm, I'm with. But here it's like, like you said, you're getting the personality traits that you would like wish for out of this person <laughs> mm-hmm. in physically the same or the personality traits, maybe the idea, the other, no, I'm just saying with personality. I know, I know we're dealing with different identities, but in that context, it's, it's these, these interests. That's the draw, but with somebody that you know in a very intimate way. Yeah, and you know, I've been trying to be careful because, you know, we've set up how this isn't an accurate portrayal of DID, but at least within the context of the show, it feels like they have written Steven to be the ideal version of the common interest. And so I think uh, I think it was you, Leach. It was the fantasy, I think, that, that feels uncomfortable. And I think what really solidified it and i'll use this to transition to the next section is how it becomes a a a point that mark's like so you kissed her it's like what you're gonna drown me now like it was just it was weird i don't know why it was 
You know what? Between this and Loki, apparently just romances are not my favorite thing in the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, moving into the uh, next most important topic. This one is honesty and protection. Uh, we can use this section to detail the sequences in which Stephen and Mark are still vying for control, but more through the lens of now having lost Khonshu and the revelation that Steven is embodying honesty and Mark is trying to embody at least attempted protection. Uh, so Jude, where would you like to start within this section? I don't know. These sections are rough, but like they make sense, but they're rough just because there's a lot. No, I think you're right on these topics being difficult, but I think that's virtue of the episode. Cause like we're talking about these sections and there's things that I want to bring up that I'm also holding back for the last man important topic. Everything's meshed together. I think that's where it becomes. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's, and so it's like, yeah, I even texted you last night, Jude. I was like, cause normally we try and do four most important topics, but trying to fit in a fourth one as interwoven as these stories are in this episode would have felt like it was, you know, spreading it too thin, knowing we've got a, uh, a hippo in the room that we need to address by the end of this. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that was the thing is like in the end thing where it was like, so was that Layla's ideal? Like other personality ideal. I wish Mark had, I don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, cause, cause I mean, at this point we're talking about it and I think rightfully so as if, that's what Layla's seeing in Steven. But the way the episode ends, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I do want to start here, though. You know, you and Leech have kind of hinted at it with the feeling that Khonshu is gone. Uh, the big moment last week being that he was encased in the statue. Uh, I think you and TJ, Jude, were questioning whether or not Mark could access those powers. And we got that confirmation here. Uh to me, I love how much they hammered home his presence being gone as they're walking up to the tomb. You get that quick shot of like a crow or some sort of bird just perched on the top where Khonshu normally would be. They walk a few more steps and you see a goat perched in kind of like that rock arch. So they were really trying to re remind you that he wasn't there and they were on their own. Uh, they, they get along okay. You know, I'm sure they could have used the super strength from Khonshu, but I was kind of surprised at how willing Steven was able to go into that tomb, you know, after some prodding here and there. Well, it's interesting, the 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 will or the force, maybe, of Steven to, like, I mean, A, for him, you get this element of adventure, like, and I'm getting to do stuff that I've only imagined at the gift shop. But there's also an element where he's fighting for his existence. Like, we, we made the deal, Conchu's gone. <sighs> I, I had a problem with that part of the show, but but we made a deal, Conchu's gone, and so you're going to live up to your, your end of the deal. You know, and so in that sense, he's fighting for his him to be the primary, maybe, identity. Yeah, um, to him, this is almost over. Yeah. You know, I love how you, you detailed the sense of adventure being the thing that drives Steven forward, because as lovingly as possible that I could put it, He's a dork. And I love how excited he gets with just being in what he's dreamt of, of, of his entire time at the gift shop. But one of the things I think that stood out to me was that moment right before they jump into it. Uh, we see Mark take control and sucker punch Steven. 
Leach, what did you think of seeing Mark be able to just take control like that, whereas in previous episodes, it's been a bit of a chore to be able to gain that back? That had big Hulk vibes, for <laughs> sure. Oh, my goodness. Very much Ragnarok vibes. Um, it was great. It was it was coming. Like, he knew it was coming. He, he knew it was worth it. Mm-hmm. He did and he didn't. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He did and he didn't. He gambled and he lost. So. Yeah, yeah. I, it was a great moment. It was funny. Oh, yeah. yeah it was It was one of those moments that you, you talked about where this show does it well, of like pulling something funny, you know, that breaks tension or, or whatnot. You know, I'm glad you described it as alluding to the Hulk, because this isn't the first time that that's been brought up on this podcast. Like that was one of the things I talked about in episode one, where they kind of show that fake out of like, oh no, Mark's in trouble. He's being attacked by the Jackal before he transforms. Cut to the Jackal's now running away from their life. So there there does seem to be some sort of Hulk influence here. And as much as this show continues to set things up and then pay it off by diving deeper, you know, we get the taste of Mark taking control, punching himself in the face. But later on in the episode, when Layla finally confronts Mark, technically Mark, Steven's the one in control, but she asks, can Mark hear me right now? Mark is able to come through, like without any sort of fight from Steven, whether or not that's Steven, like recognizing the moment and just ceding control to Mark, or if it's just whenever things get that emotional, Mark's able to take control back. It was, it was interesting how much more they were giving us of that dynamic between who gets to be the driver. Well, there's an element where uh, that's what I was about to say is, is I don't feel like it broke the rules of the show only because I remember something to the effect of when they first switched and Steven was asking, is this what your life's always been like? And yeah, it's hard to get used to it. And then Mark said something about it'll take all your will to like show up or something like that. And if you imagine Mark has been living like that for the past three months, He's had the practice of channeling his will to intervene, if that makes sense. And so, like, that's why for me, that not only was the punch a funny and good moment, I still felt like it made sense within the rules of what they established of how that that interaction can work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's been slowly building uh, throughout these episodes. Now, I'm going to bring it up. What what really bothered me, and TJ said it about and i think he's right steven being the moral compass of the group i it's felt out of character especially if steven's like gonna be honest like hey we're about to kiss but wait you gotta know this about mark you know and, and you have all that but the idea of like well conchu's gone and you said you'd go away you know why conchu's gone though you know it's not because like you've accomplished your task or whatever. Like he's fully aware that conscious is gone and why he's gone. And so the idea that like now it's like, no, he's gone. You got to uphold your end of the deal. Um, that just didn't feel like Steven, the moral compass to me. So, so that, that I felt was like a little bit, which, and I get it. You, you, you need that to happen to have these moments and to have a reason for Steven to be there. Cause it, cause otherwise it makes total sense from the other episodes of like, no, nope, this is Mark training type stuff. Let's switch, you know? Um, so you, so you need a reason for Steven to say no and to be there, but it just, it just felt out of character for Steven for me. Was it Steven? Can you, can you for sure say it was Steven though? That's what I want to know. If it felt that out of character for you, could you go back and see 
if you really thought it was Steven that whole time? I'm talking about how I felt in my first read slash watch of, of how that went. Um, and talking about that section as if I'm talking about that section and trying to ignore <laughs> <laughs> um, the last third of the of the show. Oh no! I'm, I mean, I'm referencing last episode where we kind of had this like, wait, that wasn't you. Mm-hmm. So I, oh, I, I, yeah. I'm with you on like it did feel this whole thing was like weird Brendan Fraser vibes for Steven. Like it was it was okay, so a little for, different. The, the only reason why I'm, I would be convinced that it's Steven is it just seems having not been introduced yet to that third character or potential third character that, you know, however, however we want to put it, we would be implying that, that that third identity knows Steven's identity well enough to fake it and the, the parameters of the deal and all of that. And it feels like, Hey, if they do that and like later we come to find out of like, Oh, there's some weird manipulation and you're tricking both of them to leave the details for you for when you show up, like when would he have got that information from being passed out in the desert to get it? Why would you, this third identity have the memories and knowledge of there? So, so that's the only reason why I feel comfortable saying it wasn't gotcha. the mm-hmm. potential third identity. Um, but at this point, like I said, at this point, who the hell knows? <laughs> <laughs> Let's re- we'll re-examine this once we get to the final most important topic. You know, I'll go to bat for it a little bit. Uh, it feels in line with the same Steven. I didn't get to talk about it last week, but it, it made me laugh so hard in that opening shot where Mark is chasing those people through Egypt and then he blacks out and we come to and we find out that Stephen was trying to go to the airport and he was just immediately trying to leave the situation. That feels like a Stephen thing to me to just be like, okay, we're done. Yeah. But you're right, Jude. He's too far in it at this point. He knows the stakes that he wouldn't do that. The other thin defense that I would give is if we are kind of seeing Mark be an admiration of Steven being able to tell Layla the truth about why he's been pushing her away because of what Conchu's doing and recognizing that he was not able to do that. Maybe this is Steven trying to do a little bit more of that selfish Mark thing, but ultimately, see, he can't do that, so he admits the truth to Layla. Uh, So it's almost kind of like this, I don't want to say inverse, because I feel like I go to that well too much, but we're seeing them branch off into being more than the personality or the identity they've been described to at this point and seeing how that shoe fits. Wait, hold on. If I understand what you're saying right, basically it's... What I think I heard you say is that Steven was trying to be Mark. Yes. More of that, like, I don't want to say selfish, but it's it's clearly like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna take lead, I'm gonna do this, this is for me kind of thing. Okay. Okay. Well no, and that makes sense. I mean, kind of what we were saying about the the same body and different personality and skill sets. And it's like from Layla's point of view, it's like same body, but the desires <sighs> the interests that I would, that would really wish Mark had, but then also the other way of like, Steven is like, dude, I wish I could be more like Mark, you know? Um, and even in other episodes of like Mark being like, yeah, if I had Steven's knowledge and it wasn't just the muscle and that's all I need, I just, just look and tell me, you know? Okay. Yeah. I'm with you on that. That's it. 
Cool. Okay. <laughs> I got worried. I was like, uh-oh, did I get it? Whenever it comes to like trying to audibly detail the points of Steven and Mark and Layla, I start to get tripped on the words, but I'm glad that came across. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. eventually we get to the point where Steven and Mark find the tomb of Alexander the Great. I know for certain I could never be an adventurer because one, I'd never be able to push the lid off the sarcophagus. And two, never in a million years would I have thought to search down the gullet of Alexander's to find the uh, the little statue. What did you think of that that sequence, Leech? Um, I was just thinking the whole time, like you're gonna step on one of those stepping stones and it's gonna sink in, <laughs> and then arrows are you know stuff's gonna shoot out from the walls. I think I've just watched too many Indy Jones, but uh, I was just I was full on nostalgic mode of that whole thing. I was blind. I was so happy. To watch that whole scene, like, oh, it's this, you know, this text and stuff. I'm like, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. Would yeah. read that part too. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're going to point that out. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Eating it up. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. I loved every minute. Like, it was so pandering and I accepted it completely. All the, all the tropes were there. It was fantastic. Oh, yeah. It was great. Like, if he had, like, the costume on, like, that would have made it better. Like, you know, the full-on, like, explorer's hat with, like, the matching <laughs> camo bodysuit thing going on. I mean, like. Oh, so good. I say friend Daniel messaged me while he was watching it and he's like, who can draw that? Who can freehand draw on the sand that perfectly? <laughs> Steven. Like, Steven. That's <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Steven. Steven can. <laughs> you know, but, but it is like that, that style, like you mentioned the Indiana Jones, those types of things is that it, that it hit all the tropes. I mean, walking in there, I'd be like, doing like the John Travolta like looking around like what is this like I'd never be like oh yeah this is this is actually no there's no way but I ate it up it was amazing yeah well to me it's so funny as infatuated as Steven is with Layla the first maybe not the first moment but among the first where it's starting to be clear that Layla is also endearing to him she thinks he's calling her beautiful, but it's the statue that he's calling gorgeous. I believe it is. And it's so funny to me that like he's in his element so much that the rest of the world fades away. Mm-hmm. And the the reason that I wrote Steven's a dork is in that final sequence, whenever he finally gets the statue and Layla walks in, we know how much she has just gone through with the revelation of her father. And Steven just like pokes his head up from the sarcophagus and then just raises his hand in the air. And he's like, found it. And he's like, and the winner goes to us. And he's just like, <laughs> he's adorable, man. <laughs> oh, such a good moment. He's like, this is, we go down this hallway, right? And then we get chased by the giant boulder. Is that, is that this hallway? Like, I felt like that was coming up next. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I love he had the, uh, he's like, look, there's a lot of blood and bones that way. Why don't we try and find an alternate route out of this room? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm seeing some like health potions around here too. That means there's going to be a boss through that corridor. So. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because whenever he pulls the statue out of the mummy, the music is timed so perfectly. I swear to you, it sounds like the Zelda theme. Whenever you find a chest, <laughs> go back and listen to it. It's that that yes. same time. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. So there's a, and I'll have to send it to both of y'all. And, um, but there, there's a meme, I guess that, that I found where it's like shows this sidewalk or no, the it's a, it's on the sidewalk, but it has like this uh, brick retaining wall and there's a portion of it. That's a different style of brick for like about the size of like a door. 
you know and it says like i've played enough video games to know <laughs> that there's something on the other side of that mm -hmm. and, and that's that's exactly what this whole sequence or that oh, yeah. was oh yeah so leech. the only thing it was missing was the switch of like somebody of him like putting something else <laughs> in the gullet's place right <laughs> oh like, gross like, just just a quick like <laughs> no <laughs> as disgusting as that was the idea of trying to rapidly push something else back down the gullet <laughs> is very uncomfortable oh man leech you know in the writing room they thought of that <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe we'll get some deleted scenes whenever the uh, assembled documentary comes out. So Leech, there we've talked about it a little bit, but there's a moment where as Layla goes in for the kiss to Steven, Steven blurts out the truth of why Mark has been pushing her away. Were you, did you think that was the right move for Steven in that moment? I think it's a lot easier to tell someone something that they should know when you have nothing, you know, it doesn't really affect you all that much. So I feel like it it might have been an inappropriate time for sure, but I feel like it was very easy for him to say it and just get it out there. It's like, oh, this isn't that hard. You know, I have no emotional connection to it. Like, let's just get this done. Like, by the way, like before anything else continues, <laughs> bleh. So I thought that was like, for the story, it was, you know, it needed to get out there, but also, you know, you had nothing to lose saying it. It just needed to get said. Oh, you don't want to, you're afraid of her knowing and, you know, oh, like, what if, what if? Oh, she See, knows now. We're good. I don't, I don't know if I agree with you on there's nothing for Steven to lose. How so? But because, because, and what we talked about, it's the same body. Mm -hmm. So, like, you run into that problem of, like, like, identity wise, it wasn't Steven. Physically, though, you were, the body was there. It, it, you participated, you did, you know, you know what I mean? And so it makes me wonder, like, like, can you have that level of separation? I mean, he was pretty pissed off at him. Uh, when you say, you know, if I need a protein smoothie recipe, <laughs> I'll hit you up. Like he, yeah. And maybe it was out of yeah. spite. I don't know. Yeah. But, but I mean, for Layla though, like to, mm -hmm. to have that separation of like, oh, I'm dealing with. Oh yeah. Steven. No, she took that full on brunt. Like the words coming out of his mouth that that happened so i mean like for her it's like dude <laughs> what mm -hmm. she handles it very well because you have that moment you have the moment where steven genuinely at least to the identity of steven openly expresses sentiments to her i'm sorry you you lost your father and mm -hmm. she takes mm -hmm. it sincerely and then she has the moment where it finally breaks after she learns the truth, where he's like, enough, I want to talk to Mark. So yeah. it's like you have, I think, three, two to three instances of happening, and then it finally breaks at towards mm -hmm. the end. But it is mm -hmm. this weird, I don't know if culpability is the right word, but yeah. Yeah, it's tough to say. Because um, you get into that weird mind-body problem. Yeah. I think it was in that, in that instance of their interaction, it was appropriate to just clear the air. Like, I, I get why that would happen. But I think that whole thing was like inappropriate for what they were trying to do. Like they they needed to get down there. Like, can we grab some more flares? Let's go. Like, let's let's do this. Mm -hmm. Now's not the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, unless there's anything more in this section, I think we can get to the one we've really been waiting for. 
You mean the one that makes the this the the first hour of this podcast irrelevant? <laughs> <laughs> the one that makes me so glad that Leech is on this episode because oh, no. these, this last third is built for Leech and Leech's rabbit hole mind. Oh gosh. <laughs> So with that being said, we're going to transition into the final important topic, which is the nucleus of our personality. Like I said, we're going to detail the entirety of that final sequence where we discover what we think we know may in fact be just in Mark's head. Jude, we'll go ahead and start with you because we did a bit of a swap because I think this is the section you needed to get out on the table. Okay, so I was trying to take the other sections at like the same way we're doing the other episodes. Like, I'm just going to ma- like take the end out of my mind. But at this point, it's like, well, is the Layla we saw actually having the feelings and reactions that we think she did? Or was that Mark's projection? I guess Mark is the identity prime, the original now. Is that, is that what's established? Um, I loved it that showed the old movie because it, like you said, it hit all the tropes, the Indiana Jones, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, Alan Quartermain. And I think it was, is one of them and the jewel of the Nile and romancing the stone and like all of that genre of that style of, of movie was just right there. You know, I, I felt like there was redemption for Donna. Cause she had a lot of flack after episode one, the actress is <laughs> like, why are you so mean to Steven? You know? And, and all she could say was like, well, you know, I'm playing it. Like we've known each other for such a long time. And it's like, no, they're in a mental hospital and he's a pain in the butt and <laughs> go away. <laughs> like I, yeah. So like, it's, I don't know. Like this is the definition. I always go back to an interview I saw with the creators and writers of the CW Arrow show. And they were, and, and I remember, I don't remember where I saw it, but I remember them talking about like when I'm writing an ending that, that a hero has to get out of. If it takes us less than a week to figure out how to get out of it, the audience will figure it out. And it's not a good ending. And, and I'm just imagining them going through that process of like, yeah, let's let's see how to get out of this one, you, you know, and, and how to explain this away. And, and I'm stumped. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come to Leech here in a second, but I want to, uh, on the record, just clearly stated, are you taking this end as confirmation that all of this is in the mental hospital and inside Mark's head? I have no idea. No idea? Okay. Because he got shot. Mm-hmm. And so... Well, because you said be it was some... it was justification for Donna, so I don't know. I was just going to see if you were like one hundred percent in the camp that this is all in Mark's head. I don't know. Okay, Leech. I don't know. Where do you fall? Okay, on this forty-two slide presentation <laughs> here, you will see. <laughs> um. So timeline-wise, this is after he got shot. Mm-hmm. So that just anchors that there for me. I'm still very confused about Steven's timeline because he's had his job long enough to piss off his boss enough and piss off everyone around him enough and apparently have enough of a googly-eyed relationship with someone to get a date out of him. Like, is that really three months? Is that longer? That's super muddy, but I do like the idea that, you know, Mark's the dominant one because everything points to that, but they're both there. I I don't know. We're just getting his perspective. It's mm-hmm. not that 
I, I don't know. I want to think he's dominant, but we're just on the Mark perspective right now. Right. Is that just to get more Mark or is that because he's, you know, the prime? Well, first, it's always good to have more Oscar Isaac. Yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you can never absolutely. go wrong. Yeah. But, that, but that's what I'm saying. Like, he was shot. So is this kind of like in his head and how the Mark Stephen brain is in the waning moments between death and life dealing with DID? Is it limbo? Or is it him coming out of a psychosis? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just, I don't know. I wonder if, like, how avatars die and if they do die. Because I'm really, I'm, I'm leaning towards this is either all, not all of it's in his head, but like his mind's being raided right now. Mm-hmm. And this is how his mind is, I guess, shown to us and like how his mind works because he thinks he's crazy all the time. And maybe this is, you know, how he displays that. I don't know. This one really, I'm still trying to digest it. Really? <laughs> I th- I've seen it twice and I just, I don't know. Yeah, and it had everything. It had the gold statue guy. It had the the cane, the mm-hmm. glass, the li- like. It had everything, and it, it had just like all the references. Oh, I, for my note taking section, I gave up <laughs> on this important topic. What I did is I just started a bullet point and wrote down every reference I saw, and I got up to seventeen. And I doubt that's even like half of it just 17 different instances of them referring to the previous episodes. Oh yeah. What if I, this is like, I'm so sorry. I just no, go ahead. thought, what if this is like Conchu's like weird limbo layer for all of his past avatars. And because he's gone, that's why it's not the head table anymore. And someone else is taking that seat and using that leverage to manipulate Steven and Mark. Hmm. It's like his wing of the, his re- the realm or whatnot like you know because i the drawing the drawing sticks out to me i don't know what it is the sketch mm-hmm. of conchu that's just yeah. oh the hummingbird no... slash conchu head yeah 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 so and, like, and it would make sense why arthur's there former avatar mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep it, there was a part of me that was feeling like and i couldn't find the angle because it doesn't sound like arthur wants conchu back uh, even if he this was some sort of ploy to get Conchu away from Mark and Steven, we know that the the he's just the Avatar and the Avatar's missing Conchu because he's been in the statue. But there was something that stood out to me in the ways that they really focused in on Arthur saying, I can't help someone who doesn't want to be saved. And the echoing of those two statements make me feel like this was a ploy of his by trying to get him to break somehow. Because that's another wording that we've seen Haro use before where he's like, oh, was it because you were easy to break? It makes me feel like this is something constructed because somebody wants something from Mark and Steven, like you said. Well, if Uh, he's broken as an avatar, then who does he go to next? If Layla, if Layla, you know, find Layla after he's figured out and there's no one for him to go to, would he go to a previous avatar or is there anyone else in light? Like, I'm wondering if this is like a way to like mentally get him out of the game for Kanchu. So Kanchu can't come back even if they can somehow get the statue. Mm. Look, I'm going to say it. I, what it. if everybody in there, including Haro, is a different personality or identity? Yeah, that yeah. definitely uh, crossed my mind. It's it's There's so many ways to go with it. You know, it, as long as we're throwing out theories, you know what else I thought it could have possibly been? 
right before Steven pushes the sarcophagus open, he's like, oh, everything is telling me not to open this. And and Mark's like, just do it. I wonder if there was something, some sort of like tying into the supernatural side of like mummies and everything they're exploring here. If maybe it's just some sort of curse. And this is like the the presentation of that curse taking form uh, in Mark and Steven's heads as they're trying to write what is happening. Because even within the revelation of the mental hospital scenario, Mark is like dazed and confused as though he's just been injected with something. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if that's the case where it's less to do with DID and being shot and more just to do with the hallucinations of whatever they uncovered when they opened the sarcophagus. And that's going full on in early 2000s adventure tropes. <laughs> and then the Scorpion King arises. <laughs> was that it the could rock? Be, it could be. It was. <laughs> totally was. And he killed it. It was, it was so, it was so perfect. It was Again. just the right time in history for that to happen. It was so cringy looking back. All so. I know are the trailers. <laughs> <sighs> I know. I'm a disappointment. I think it could be any theory at this point. Like, we don't. This show has kept us in the dark on so much while also somehow keeping a story going along without us just getting purely frustrated. Time constraints probably have a factor in why it's moving so fast, but I feel so uncomfortable not knowing (laughs) anything more. Well, there's an element that I was wondering how they pulled it off. Like, did they you know, you hear about, okay, you kind of write with the end in mind. I'm always wondering, like, did they write this scene and what we haven't seen yet first and then, and and even shot it and then found a way from the beginning on in order to, to place all the different actors and egg Easter eggs. And you know what I mean? Like, like kind of reverse engineer work backwards. Yeah, just put it in reverse, you know, because I'm imagining like as, as a script writer and stuff, how do you, there's an element of, of planning out, but like, they're so intentional, you know, it's not of like this person you're going to see more than once and it's going to be an interaction to where it's going to stick with the audience. So that way, when you see it really quickly, it's going to trigger that, that memory, you know? And so it's not like a random grab. It was so well planned out. Yeah, this definitely feels like one of those inspired set pieces that because there was an interview that I'll try and link to again. We linked it in the first episode where Muhammad Diab talked about he was so prepared for this. I think he mentioned having something in mind that he pitched. And so I could see this being the, the, the idea and everything else was filling in to make sure that idea worked because it is so thorough. It is so like every shot. There is something to refer back to the previous three episodes which by the way i did put this in my pre-spoiler thought i we talked about how other critics got the first four episodes of this show before it aired i can't imagine what the wait has been like for them to have that end and then be like all right i gotta wait for a month to get resolution like that would drive me crazy (laughs) watching it all back to back to back like oh my gosh i couldn't i couldn't even i can't remember now if today it was co-worker and friend Ken or friend and shop doggist <laughs> and co-host second time person TJ and get all the 
Now you're just rubbing uh, it into the, TJ. <laughs> the prefix is in. I, I don't remember which one said it, but they mentioned, as I mentioned how, and I said at the beginning of like, this would have been a really cool season finale mm-hmm. and give us a season two. And one of them mentioned about your pre-spoiler thought of the idea of like, well, dude, just imagine having those four episodes and having to wait, but now having a whole year plus to wait for that kind of cliffhanger. Um, that would have been crazy. I don't think I could have handled it. Not that I know. I would have done it though. (laughs) (laughs) I have another theory about what's going on here and I want to see if it holds water for anybody else. There is another section where Layla comes in and she won the bingo and she's like, we won, we won. And she starts to run off and then she comes back and she goes, I promise I'll share it with you this time. I'm, this is a very far limb, but again, if this is the thoughts of a dying person who's just been shot and is contextualizing the world around them within this world that makes sense of the mental hospital, I wonder if we'll find out that Layla somehow in those final moments, whether she's always had it or found it in that final sequence, became an avatar for another Egyptian god. And that is what that hippo is towards the end coming in to save them. But it's just we're seeing it from Mark's perspective. But in the real world, we're seeing that Layla's actually imbued with powers now to help them out of that sequence. So, you know what? That, I, I'm going to say you have you have something. Yeah. Um, yeah. The hang up. Yeah. My hang up being the statue that is found is of Amit. The Egyptian god or demigod, I'm not entirely sure, at the end is a hippo. We've already established that the the Ahmed is the the alligator lady with the head. So I don't know where Layla would have found another statue lying around. But other than that, I have a I've, that's where I want to start building my grains of sand is on Layla coming into the real world with new avatar powers. Well, and and I mean one of the things TJ brought up in in the last pod and and we kind of discussed was and this is before knowing with the end of this episode, Layla was clearly familiar with that world and it wouldn't, and Conchu would wanted her as an avatar and found her as an avatar or, or her possibility of being an avatar attractive for a reason. So in, in that sense, I, I don't think it's far off to say that she ends up being an avatar somehow in this, in this. And that was, what what was happening? What do you think, Leech? Am I uh, am I building a sturdy sandcastle here? Well, it kind of has me wondering now that if this is like a weird avatar limbo area, maybe there's been someone else in Layla this whole time, and that's actually Layla. Oh wow! Like even even hidden to her as well. Yeah, like L- L- Layla's been like stuck in this limbo, and she's obviously lost it. And may- ooh, maybe this is where they go. Uh, when they're not active. I don't know. Both the identities of Mark and the Egyptian gods, since they need the the avatars to be able to communicate within the world. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like your standby limbo? <laughs> standby for the real world. Yep. <laughs> That's funny. I, yeah. I, I kind of, I didn't really think about the Layla angle of like, she's right there. Like they have a full on interaction with bingo and stuff like i just grazed by that Mm -hmm. i was really focused on the whole mark and steven thing but 
there's there's something there. We we get doxxed <laughs> with so much information to the end. I don't blame you. Well, and and I wonder. I mean, as as well thought out as this has been, there has to be something and significant. I think about bingo and the letters called and the numbers called. There was a wrong num- letter called too. It was like a T or, or a J or something. I I think for sure B twenty two was one of them. I think I didn't write it down, but um, no, I just had a thought uh, back to what you were saying, Leech, of the possibility of this being the limbo of either the DID personalities or the Egyptian gods themselves. It when whenever Mark is shot and he falls backward in the water, two things: one, you see that he fell, and you can see the bottom of the water as he's laying on the the not the concrete, but just the the floor of the mm-hmm. tomb. And then the next shot we have is him falling through. So the, obviously the floor is gone. I just start to to insinuate, okay, this is all in his head. But as he falls and he gets further away from the camera, he starts to look more and more like one of those statues that they get entombed in. I'm wondering if this is, you're right, Leech, that this is the, the, the limbo. And maybe this is somehow a process of Arthur trying to in- encapsulate Mark and Stephen in a statue so that he traps them and out of the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm getting off my Layla's and Avatar and kind of getting next to you on your limb here. <laughs> well, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back you up on that one, too. Cause, <laughs> well, I mean, because at the very beginning, you know, you show they showed where the stone ceramic, whatever conchu was. And led us to believe that there's more than just Conchu there, right? And you're talking about the, the little at the very it, beginning. Not Osiris, one of the Egyptian gods as he's putting the statue away, right? Yeah, but but like it, it made us still believe there's more other gods, right? With that in mind, what if what Haro was doing? We can what if all night, but what <laughs> if what Haro was doing and and sucking out the life soul or whatever was encapsulating them, and they didn't really die; they're just waiting to be freed. Oh, that's a lot of statues. <laughs> I'm assuming the times that we've seen Haro do that is not not exclusive to the episodes. I can't imagine how much of a waiting room they've got going on. Yeah. Yeah. He has his nice little collection there. Probably play a full game of chess with him. Did anyone else stick out? I feel like they focused on a lot of faces in there, too. Were any of them hmm. from the trial, I guess, is what that would be called? Uh, and from scene the before, Enid? yeah, the like trial the, of Mhm. That I don't know. I recognized a lot of of museum people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The two police officers, DC people. So, I, so I recognized a lot of them, but I didn't catch if it was any of the avatars. I did see gotcha. the gold statue man, which you already talked about. Mm-hmm. I'm eighty percent sure I saw the old woman. And the elevator from the first episode. Um, I don't think I saw any of the gods, the avatars for the gods. But I'm trying to think if anybody else stuck out to me that way. Off the top of my head, no. Yeah, I don't think so. I'd, I'd, I'd have to really like pause and right. look <laughs> through it. For all the confusion we have, one of the solidifying things we do have is we see both Steven and Mark actually physically present how did you feel about seeing them meet leech oh it oh it felt like such a relief just relief in the air of like oh thank god i'm not crazy but i'm also (laughs) crazy because we're both here so that was 
that was wild to see the movie obsessed person in me was like, okay, how are they going to pull this off? Like, let me see that stunt double kind of thing. Like, let me see like the hair double and everything. And it was very well done. I will say from that, you know, outside point of view, like they did a, such a good job on that. That was Steven and Mark. That wasn't, you know, oh, that's, that's Mark and stunt double. And I'm totally <laughs> lost immersion. Like they did a really good job on that. And it was such a relief to have a friend help figure out what the heck is happening. Yeah, I, I really appreciated the sense of comfort they had. Oh, yeah. When they embraced, mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, how is this possible? I don't know, but you're here kind of thing. Like, Right. And I think the contrast of that to them seeing the third sarcophagus, a red sarcophagus and playing violence, uh, and they just kind of pass through without even investigating it. Like, I think even subconsciously they know to avoid that section and it just created that that horrifying feeling to me it almost reminded me is it jude i think you well i think both you and and leech will know this is it batman begins where somebody's freeing a bunch of the arkham inmates and they pass by one in particular and then they leave i'm reaching for batman there's a perfect example in the mcu it's the uh it's batman begins loki uh on in asgard yeah they do that in in dark world too there was a batman one but the I think the Dark World one's probably a better fit for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, but I know what you're talking about. It's Batman Begins, mm-hmm. where at the end, where they're freeing the the, the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they hover on one and they just leave it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what, it, that's what it felt like to me, seeing that sarcophagus in the room and they just kind of ignore it. Mm-hmm. I think they're... Well, I don't know where we're at, because again, speculation, but I feel like that that's going to be another identity let out. Um, and the, one of the ways they pulled that off so well was you had an Oscar Isaac in the room. And the other one, I believe was Michael Benjamin Hernandez, who is Oscar Isaac's brother. Oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> that man has like the most recognizable hairline of like, it's, I just, there's no other way other than blood that can duplicate yeah. that. How lucky that they were able to get a brother of similar stature. Right. <laughs> the insurance policy on those two. My goodness. <laughs> Well, I don't want to say we're coming to an end because like you said, Jude, we could spend the rest of the night here, but unless we have any more, we might be able to move to listeners first takes. Yeah, I think we should. Cause like I, I, at this point, like it's, it's, I, I who knows? I'll, I'll check, Leech, I'll check with you. How oh, are we just not going to address the very end at all? The hippo? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was mentioned. I mean, it was mentioned, but like. I don't know what to make of the hippo. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I think that throws all the theories for a loop. Like one of my one of my students looked it up and I and so I, I'm kind of ignoring it. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But but also can I say? Can I can I say mm-hmm. they looked it up? Uh, I think Leech um, is gonna remove headphones and then you can say. Okay. I, I'll give I'm, hold on, put them back. I'll give you thumbs up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Okay, remove the headphones. Trey will give you the thumbs up. Um, so, so they looked up and, and all, but all it was, it, I don't think it gives anything else. But it was like, it was like, like you said, with Amit and the the alligator, mm-hmm. right? And and there it was just like, oh, a hippo is the Egyptian god of this, and, I'm, and I won't say what this is. Okay, how about that? But like, it, well, it's like you didn't really tell me much because because it's like well thematically it's the egyptian it's another god and stuff that i don't know the relation between yeah y- you know so that's the thing mm-hmm. I'll, I'll add this and bring back in there was something about it that signaled friendly 
So you get this feeling of like, yeah. again, comfort. But it happened so quick. Yeah. There's not, yeah. there. yeah. Yeah. She's not looking at the camera. Oh, there it is. There it is. I just realized I've had my headphones on backwards this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> That's really why we discussed this, to help you headphone shift. Now, Thank I, you. Trey did say one thing that I, I want to tell you. He, he did say he got the feeling that that the indication for as quick as it was, this hippo was friendly. Did you get that? I mean, it started out with high versus like a slap in the face. So like the way we've been going lately, <laughs> 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 like, no creepy fingers coming through the woodwork. So I'm I'm relieved. Beggars okay. can't be choosers yeah. on that That's part. <laughs> yeah, like you know, you're either an ally or an enemy at that point, like in that situation. So mm-hmm. fair, fair. <sighs> Uh, hippos are terrifying though. I don't, they are man. super off track, but like, oh my God, have you seen like the water? They throw the watermelon at them. It's just like half a bite and it's completely Dude, you don't, mess, don't mess with hippos. No, you just don't. Don't tug on Superman's cape. <laughs> don't mess with <laughs> I'll hippos. I'll take my chance with Superman. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You really hate Zack Snyder. Uh, <laughs> don't we all? Uh. You know, the, the, the bizarreness <laughs> of like my pre-spoiler thought of like not knowing what to say. It is, is the hippo. Like, Every time I thought I had an angle on where we were going, I just keep coming back to the hippo. Like, what am I supposed to read at this point? <laughs> and of course, we'll we'll find out more eventually. But man, what a what a way to throw us at the end here! Oh, I was digging too that whole time. I mean, you know, you know, I was like just trying to like poke holes in that thing and like get theories. And just every five seconds, I was invalidated. <laughs> just watching that last 10 minutes so who knows I, I hope it's like just pieces of all of our stuff and it makes sense and I know it will just like a collection of everything we've thrown out today might that be the answer plus some stuff we never even thought of because mm-hmm. we just don't know we just don't we have nothing <laughs> nothing to go off of this is all such new territory yeah you know I the, I talked about in episode one so much of the talk going into this season was this is standalone from the MCU. There's more connections in this show versus this one. Like we've made it four episodes and there's no overarching connection. I wonder if that was intentional to throw us off once we got here so that we couldn't clearly say, oh yeah, that's the real world because obviously they referenced the snap or they referenced mm-hmm. Iron Man. Oh yeah. Yeah. It has to be. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if we're going to start to see that change now that we're past this point. Look, it's it's a limited series. It's probably just group sessions from here on out in the next two episodes. <laughs> if it starts with a group session, oh I'm gonna blame you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we're gonna have to put a pin on this until next week. So let's go ahead and move into listeners' first takes. So we did reach out on social media to see what everybody else thought of this episode, and it feels very appropriate to start with this one. This one comes in from the slushy on Twitter, and it reads, "That ending, though," with a bunch of exclamation marks and question marks. I think uh, I think she surmised it perfectly. Uh, me. <laughs> one of these days, I'll figure out. The <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Here we go. You ready? <laughs> You spelled Twitter wrong on that, and I'm just done. Like, I Where did totally I spell it wrong? Me... Uh, oh, after Slushy. Oh, I missed a T. Yeah. Just ruined the whole episode. <laughs> Start over. Um, yeah. Ken 
on Twitter with two T's. Uh, I think Spider-Man says it all for me. And he put a GIF um, of Spider-Man from Far From Home in the WTF moment as his identity is revealed by J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, you know what? That's, um, I, I'm going to say, you know, co-worker Sean texted me just as we were starting to record. And he said something very similar. He's like, now it's become the mind twister I was hoping and expecting. You know, and I think all day, anybody I talked to that seen this episode was just like, what is this? Yeah. Oh, I forgot to ask. <laughs> Leech, are you comfortable reading the next one? Yeah, that's fine. I was like trying to see if you were going to ask just because I didn't know if I was going to jump in or not. And I got it. This is the problem with being so comfortable with you here. <laughs> I forget you're not regular. <laughs> like, I knew that that was what you were waiting on. But like you hadn't asked. So we were both stuck in that like... <laughs> Well, the floor is all yours. Okay. Love. Okay. So then we have here friend Daniel on Twitter. Loved it. Blends horror, adventure, and psychological thriller with a wacky humor that's fresh. Not too fresh, though, because those corpses look like they were rotting. Oof, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it is. It is. It is very fresh. I think, you know, there's reminiscence of uh, WandaVision. Um, but even this... The, from the beginning of WandaVision, usually something was up, right? And just what was it? Whereas here, they did a, they sucked you in, you know, and then and pulled, and pulled the rug out. Well, you already thought all the psychological stuff, like we had already kind of established that and we're moving forward and getting to the conclusion. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> You're wrong. Yeah. That's what that episode said. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, finally, this last one comes in from Ben.Matty over on Instagram, and it reads, I was going to say how much I loved episode four of Layla, but now all I'm thinking is WTF? I love that three out of the four first takes we have are all essentially WTF. <laughs> <laughs> so can I add um, what TJ texted me? Yeah, go for it. So he, he texted me last night, like, 948 dude and I text him back dude and, like, <laughs> dude. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then he responded he's like what in the world just happened <laughs> question mark <laughs> oh and then he's like the only thing I said that was correct so far was that the show feels unpredictable and all over the place <laughs> it's like yeah that's that's pretty much what what would happen? Oh, man. Well, of course, those were listeners' first takes. So thank you all that reached out and let us know what you thought. Uh, if you want to partake in that for future episodes, of course, you can always follow us on social media. But we are trying something new this season. So if you want to audibly leave your thoughts, you can always hit the phone number 512-893-1355. So, yeah. So, with first takes out of the way, that's going to bring us to final thoughts. So, we're changing this up a little bit this season. Uh, it's a bit of a, co a combination of stray thoughts, predictions, or something to consider going into next week. Uh, you don't necessarily have to do all three of them, but Leech, do you have any final thoughts for this episode? I feel like I have more lingering questions than final thoughts, because <laughs> I don't know what to think at this point. <laughs> what about you, Jude? I feel the same way because like make a prediction. I feel like this whole last section was like, oh, these kind of predictions. Something I will say this, something to consider. I expected this week for us to get that third identity. And I feel like since we didn't, 
I think they're going to spend an episode burying us deeper into the this mind-bending what's going on that that's going to have to be untangled in the final finale. And and I in in other words, like and I get like that's just your typical thing, so it's not a big stretch, but it's it's like like I feel like it's going to be a double down if that makes sense on 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 confusion of what's actually real. We're going through like the Steven experience. Oh wow! Of, this, of just like what's happening. We have to go deeper before we get any sort of clarity, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, something to consider going into next week, as much talk as there's been about this being a limited run, we've essentially only got two Moon Knight scenes, Moon scenes of him in the suit. I'm really expecting an uptick in the amount of time we see in that suit. And that can you get be- that Book of Boba Fett ending for this season how dare with you. moon night how dare you <laughs> yeah watch next episode be like an intro episode to she hulk <laughs> what <laughs> we're done with moon night now <laughs> she hulk's our yeah, best friend like, oh my like gosh. watch yeah like this next episode is gonna be like an intro to she hulk <laughs> or it's like an extended in tag of shang chi <laughs> you know oh man so yeah, that's what I, I, I'm considering going to next week. We I really feel like we're going to see more of the Moon Knight superhero uh, in this next episode. And I think it's going to be a, even in the absence of Khonshu. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Ooh, wait. In the absence of Khonshu? Yeah, I think we're going to find some way where he's able to tap into that power without Khonshu being around, or at least Khonshu being in the, the statue. Because we see Haro's able to tap into some power with Amit being in, encased in the statue as well. Okay. Because my only thing is, is everything we've seen Haro do has been prior to the end of the episode. And it could be the case that Mark is just running around in a suit and there's no real like superpower thing that's. Hmm. So he's the gold man. (laughs) What? Well, well, like I mean, I mean, comic wise, and and we 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 generally try to stay away from comic knowledge, mm-hmm. uh, just for spoiler reasons. You know, he was he was uh, Moon Knight was compared a lot to to Batman. Gotcha. And and you know, in the sense of like, depending on what run you're looking at, as I understand it, is it a power superpower or is it a guy running around in a suit? Mm-hmm. The way Batman runs around in a suit, and, and so like in that sense, if if that's what we end up finding out, you see more of the suit. And the reason why Conchu is not involved is because it was just him in the suit. Um, so I'm curious to see which way this is going to go. Cool, definitely something to consider for next week. Well, I think that's going to do it. Leech, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Like I said earlier, this felt like it was perfect for you to come in. We <laughs> schedule these guest spots without knowing what episodes are going to be what, but I'm so glad this was the one you got to join in on. I I almost texted you right after and was just like, of course it's this episode that I get on here. But I decided to wait until this moment to say that because it was just too perfect. Like you, Like you knew, you really did get those four episodes, huh? Kevin Feige, super fan. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, you know what? Out of respect for us, we actually didn't get the episodes, but he texted us and he's like, hey, oh. you should get Leech. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to say, but we're saying. <laughs> yeah, you got to like sync all the promos. I totally understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, if you want to keep up with Leech and what they do, make sure you're following them at XOLeecho on Twitter and twitch.tv slash XOLeecho. As for this show, if you want to keep in touch with us, you can find us at MCU Need to Know on Twitter and Instagram. It's a great place to connect with us uh, and hear our thoughts on the episode before the episode drops on Monday. Um, as just well as getting in on shaping the show, we put out polls to vote on what should be our title uh, and a lot of fun stuff like that. And of course, scroll down to the bottom of the show notes, you'll find all the various links we've mentioned um, throughout this episode. You'll find the phone number to leave us a voicemail and have your voice heard. Uh, if you do call in, please make sure to leave uh, the name you want mentioned. Is it the Discord name, a Twitter handle, in- Instagram handle? Um, you know, if you need a prefix ahead of, you know, there, like, like friend Daniel or you know, co-worker Sean or friend Sean and, and all of that, please let us know. Uh, and of course, jump in the Discord to talk with all of us in the MCU-related things. Um, am I leaving anything out? Yes, I am. Share with a friend. <laughs> We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on the SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Leech and Jude, thank you so much for doing this as well. Thank you, Trey. Thank you. We'll see you all next week. Boom, that's an episode. Jude, I love, love, love that you talked about the different monikers and the reason that is brought up is because of TJ, who still didn't get a moniker in that that speech. <laughs> <laughs> so, Leech, last week, TJ was upset that everybody else gets friend Daniel, coworker Daniel, family Daniel, and we only refer to him as TJ. <laughs> oh, join yeah. the club, dude. Like, geez. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why can't we all be friends of the pod? <laughs> it's, a, it's because we know too many Daniels and too many Sean's. <laughs> That is really weird, actually. Like, you do know a lot. I know! (laughs) I think they're made up. And then the first time we had... Hey, don't do that to me. Uh, (laughs) The first time we had Rob Logan on, we had another one of Jude's friends whose also name is Rob. (laughs) Rob. Yeah. I think I remember that. For the Simpsons Mm -hmm. uh, Loki special. And of course, it was the same week we put out both episodes. (laughs) Yep. Oh my gosh.